This is a post-Christian podcast. Good morning, everyone. Hopefully everyone's having a great day wherever you are at, um, whether you're in the States or abroad, over overseas. I guess you're not abroad if you live overseas. Um, just... Uh, Wanting to wish everyone a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Boxing Day, I think there is in there, Happy New Year, all those fun things that um, we all celebrate at this time of the year. Um, I, If you were wondering what's different with me, maybe none of you were asking that, but I got new glasses, I got these, these clear frame ones, so... Uh, Kind of always wanted them, so maybe maybe I'm a hipster. I don't know, but I like them. It was uh, my new first pair of glasses, and probably mm, I don't know, probably like seven, eight years. So um, I'm super excited about them and uh, all that good stuff. So um, a couple little um, housekeeping things before I just kind of get into this message. Um, I, I've kind of uh, said last week or maybe the week before that uh, we wanted to kind of raise some funds for a revolution. Everyone knows how um, how things cost money to to make this stuff work. Um, we're we're not a five hundred one c nonprofit yet. That's what we're eventually going to get through. Anybody can tell you who's put those up knows that there's. Um, knows that there's some paperwork and all that stuff that you need to do. So we're eventually going to be doing that um, here in the new year. Um, we're still trying to coordinate with the place where, you know, the um, the original, the OG revolution is at, um, Bryant Lake Bowl. Um, but everything is so up in the air with COVID and people distancing and bars hurting and, and things like that. So... There's all that going on. Um, I also, um, you know, it just costs money to host these things. Um, not necessarily Facebook, but with equipment and things like that. So it's it's one of those things. Uh, I hate fundraising. I hate you know raising funds to do this. But like as I said, if this if this church is Revolution Church Minneapolis really means something to you, which I hope it does, um, throwing us a little change, a couple of dollars here and there. It would actually go a long, long way. Um, as I said, I hate asking for that, but and I know people are tight with Christmas and, and New Year's, and some people might have lost their jobs, so I I apologize in advance um, and all that. Caleb, uh, you like the ribbon on the deer. That's not really a ribbon. I think it's uh, it's flowers. Uh, I mean, it's what? Headband. It's a headband. Um, Amanda really loves um, Frida Kahlo, the artist, and I think you had that as part of a costume for Halloween. And we, you know, we just thought, you know, let's spice up the the deer a little bit. So that's what she did, and I like it. And then you can't really see it, but there's actually some tinfoil on the deer because our cat Jack, um, apparently he's that predator instinct, and he liked to jump on there, and he actually jumped up on the the back of the, the deer and actually it took the nail or the bolt out of the wall that it's on. So 
we did a little sleuthing, or Amanda did some sleuthing, and um, actually, if you put tin foil on on something, cats hate tin foil. I don't know if it's the shininess or the sound. So we put the tin foil on there. So you know the the you know that white-tailed deer um, is is uh, doing its job. So um, I'm going to try to do this quick. Um, I know it's Christmas season, Advent technically, if you're talking in Christ- Christmas and Christianese language. Um, and I know everyone probably has, you know, things that they're maybe doing with their family or getting ready or some of their family things. Um, but you know, we wanted to have this service nonetheless. Um, just another housekeeping thing. I'm going to be, um, not here next week, um, doing, doing revolution. Um, I think, uh, Curtis, who you all know, who's helped around, with Revolution Church Minneapolis, he said he wants to do it. I'm still connecting with him to see if he wants to and seeing how, how that's going to get situated. Um, if it, if somehow, if it doesn't, we don't have a service, I'll we'll let everyone know on either our Instagram page and our Facebook page if we're um, going to be gone. Um, so, you know, um, that there's that. So it, uh, I know a lot of people when they, if they grew up in like traditional church, so to say that, you know, this is the Christmas season. Um, Advent is the first four, um, is the four Sundays before Christmas, before we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Um, and I, and I've said here on before, I'm not against, you know, Advent. I love Advent. I, I think, you know, I believe in the, the Christ child birth. Um, but I don't always think we have to preach on it all the time or up to Advent. However, thinking of, of a, sermon to to come up with today as I, or I like to say a talk um i just I, it, it it would be to me wrong as a pastor in any any way not to at least this sunday talk about the the christ birth the christ narrative um so this is what i'm going to do it's nothing going to be fancy i'm just going to um read the christ birth narrative and kind of just go through it real quick just to maybe um, find in or fill in some points that we maybe not heard about, or just kind of giving you um, right before Christmas, because I think Christmas is, you know, Christmas Eve is four days away, Christmas Day is this next Friday coming up. Um, so, yeah, so um, this is this talk's called uh, Christ Child Birth. So I'm just going to, I kind of broke it up into sections that I'm going to be um talking about and giving my comments and, and stuff like that. And then I, as, as normal and per usual, I'll just kind of open it up to questions, comments, thoughts. So here we go. This is Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Um... We're probably all familiar with that first portion of scripture and how many songs, Christmas songs and carols are, are based off of that. Um, kind of, you know, just kind of theologically, um, 
and and kind of just history wise, you know, it's kind of, it's no different when they did the census, how they do the census here, and we're actually um, here in America, we do the census every ten years. Um, so we did one in 2010, and now obviously it's 2020. So earlier this year, they just did a census where everyone wants to know, um, you know, where where you live, how many people are in your family, so so on and so forth. And this was no different. The, the one thing that was a little bit different from doing some research is the the main reason that the, that the Romans did this because they're the ones who were occupying Israel at the time was more or less for tax purposes. They wanted to know where every individual was from, how many people were in your household, and through that they would um, tax you accordingly. Uh, and and it's, it's, you know, people don't like government or government control, I get that. But, uh, you know, people in, in cities and empires have been doing it for millennia of just wanting to know uh, who, who is from where, who lives where, um, everything like that. Um, and yes, obviously Mary was his betrothed, who was with child, uh, AKA Jesus. And, um, they, the thing that I think is kind of cool is we, we, we always hear and see growing up in the, um, and hearing these stories, whether from pastors or, you know, watching movies on, on, on Netflix or wherever that, that Jesus was born in this nasty, stinky stable. You know, we hear like no one wanted him. No one wanted, you know, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in their home. Um, it was just, he was born into like filth and, and, and grossness. And that, that's actually not true. If you actually look in historically, um, back in first century Jewish homes, um, it, like, a man and I and Ava live in an apartment, and I would say most houses were probably the size of an apartment, uh, a one-bedroom apartment. You didn't have these huge mansions, huge, you know, six, seven, eight-bedroom houses with all these bathrooms and land. Uh, especially if you were in the city, it was very condensed. And so if you can just imagine um, having, like, looking at, like, you're looking at a floor plan right now, and really what a house was like back in the early Jewish time was, um, it'd be like your main room, your main living room, sitting room, whatever you wanted to call it. You would actually eat there. Um, you would eat there. Um, everything was and and what's different in our cultures, we have different rooms for everything, the living room, the dining room, the den, and we each do specific things there. Well, back in ancient Jewish time, everything was in that room. I mean, not everything, but you, you entertained people there. You had conversations there. Uh, sometimes people slept there. But a lot of times, you know, people, were, especially the men, were working out in the fields and doing their job. And so they just kind of having this little property was theirs. However, the manger, people think, oh, the manger was outside. The manger, you know, was off, you know, behind their, their, their house and whatever. That's really not true either. Uh, most of these houses, they were probably built out of clay or mud or however. It probably had, you know, palm trees for, for the, the top or maybe some sort of stucco or something. And what they, what they had, um, was little holes cut into the walls, almost like what we would look at as like a small window. They didn't have anything, but there was a hole. 
So the manger, which is literally was a food trough, um, the, that, that is literally what it's translated into is like a food trough. And so really the, the donkeys, the, the camels, uh, whatever animals they had, they slept outside, did their business outside. But when they ate, their head actually came into the window to this manger. So obviously this manger isn't this tiny little thing that we probably imagine or if we have our nativity scenes up, you see this tiny manger. It's actually, it was quite bigger than that because most people had more than one animal. They had two or three animals. That's how a lot of these families made their livelihood was by selling their cattle or trading or, you know, whatever. Um, and so these animals would actually put their head through the window and and eat. So it was kind of funny. So like the adults and family would be eating in the room and so would the animals in a lot of ways would just putting their heads in there and eating as well. So that's really fascinating. And really in when most people think of in now, we think of that as like a fancy way or old school way of saying hotel, motel. Um, so when we think, oh, there was no place in the inn or there was an innkeeper, that's actually really fabricated to kind of just pump up this Christ child narrative to be like, oh, he came in, in such squalor and, and, and just horrible living situations. Well, actually in, in the early time was just, um, known as like the guest room. Uh, you know, like here in our apartment, we have, you know, our bedroom and then we have Ava's room. But like, if we ever have any guests or family, we'll just have Ava sleep with us. And then we can say, oh, it would be no different for us saying, hey, you can sleep in Ava's room. You can sleep in the guest room. It would be no different if we said you can sleep um, in the inn. So really, um, the the inn was just the guest house. And a lot of times it was right next. It was in the same house or the same structure. Could have been off to the right a little bit. It could have been upstairs. Anyway, it was connected. So when they say that there was no place for it in the inn, that means there was no no available houses, no available guest rooms in all in all of Bethlehem for Jesus. So whether they went to every single house, we don't know how. I mean, people probably do know how big Bethlehem is. Uh, obviously, it wasn't a huge population as we see now. I would probably say a couple thousand people. Um, in, in the town at most, which was kind of commonplace. Um, and by the way, this sun's coming in and my face is being illuminated. So there's really nothing I can do about it. We already have our blinds down. So maybe, maybe it's just the, the shiningness of God's glory on my face. I don't know. So I'm doing everything I can. I'm sorry about the light. I can try to switch and, and move a little bit. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, that, that just little bit, that narrative of, um, I, when I was doing research, I found it really fascinating because I can't tell you how many times growing up in the church, um, I heard people just, just say, oh, you know, Jesus was born in such squalor. He, you know, he was, he wasn't even accepted as a kid and, and he was obviously not accepted for, as the Messiah, as, as an adult. And some of those stories, we just kind of, um, we have this mythology almost to it. We almost have this, uh, you know, make Jesus seem like no one loved, you know, no one accepted him, no one accepted his parents, no one, whatever. And that just wasn't the case. Um, obviously none of these people knew that this was Jesus, the savior of the world. Um, but just understanding the basic language and understanding of some of these words 
Um, like I, I didn't know until researching recently that in wasn't like an extra room or like a hotel type thing in this town, but in was actually like, as I said, this room and that the animals, um, you know, it wasn't like they were like, when we look at animals, we're like, Oh, if we, if we're a farmer, if we know a farmer, the, the, the cattle, the cows, the pigs, whatever you raise, they're, they're not anywhere remote near the, the, the people they have. They have, you know, their barn that they're in, they're out in the fields. You know, we as the, the farmers will bring the food out to them, you know, clean up their mess, um, whatnot. But back then, in biblical times, they didn't have that luxury. The animals, the humans, were literally within feet of each other, and they just lived in that way. So this tight community, literally, in in, in their house... Um, Animals right on the other side of the door, sticking their head in to eat, um, sleeping in the same room or maybe sleeping um, upstairs, uh, which is quite fascinating. Um, Moving on, the second part, the shepherds and the angels. Verse 8, we're going to pick up. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born in the day of the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great, suddenly with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, and peace among those whom he is pleased. Once again, we probably know that that part of the story, that narrative, how many times we've probably sung about that or heard songs. And I'm not really going to go in too deep and too, uh, um, into specifics, but the one thing I always want to tell people is the only reason we celebrate Christmas um on December 25th is because of that good old guy centuries and centuries ago named Emperor Constantine. Um, Emperor, Emperor Constantine was not a Christian for a good chunk of his life. He became uh, converted to Christianity and the Romans actually had uh, a very secular um, holiday to their gods on Christmas on December 25th. Um, because when you looked at back in biblical times, shepherds, they had a window, kind of like how farmers have a window of when they farm. And then there's times where they don't farm. It's too cold, the land, you can't toil and soil the land, whatever. So really, uh, they most likely Christmas, um, probably, they say, it's probably anywhere between like late March to early May. That was probably when this really did happen. And so up until Constantine, we don't know when it was celebrated. Um, but Emperor Constantine, and I forget, maybe any historians out there watch this can can help me out. But they were the ones, um, uh, so like they were the ones, like, what am I trying to say? Uh, they celebrating Christmas wasn't something uh, that was done on around this time in December up until Constantine. Um, more or less Christianized it and said this is when Jesus was born, this is when we're going to celebrate. So it's like we took over 
Christianity and Christmas and Jesus took over this pagan holiday. And for centuries, we've celebrated Christmas um, at this time. And I also found it was interesting, too, when they talk about shepherds and that story and how many times you look at your nativity scene. Maybe you have a nativity scene up in your house right now. It's kind of a ritualistic thing that we do. Um, and you see the shepherds, you know, the wise men all there. Just another thing with the wise men. You look at the shepherds, and, and really actually being a shepherd um, wasn't a very uh, uh, lofty or a great job to have. It wasn't like, I know there's certain jobs back in the Bible times that people really hated, like being a tax collector or a prostitute. Those were kind of like the lowly of the low things that you do. However, being a shepherd, it was a job, but it wasn't a job that was highly regarded. Um, it was people who pretty much couldn't find any other jobs um, in whatever town or community that they were in. So when they talk about a shepherd, we look at a shepherd and we're like, oh, you know, we hear shepherd all the time. Jesus was like the ultimate shepherd to us, hurting us believers or Christians or the, the as people will say, like the lost or whatever. And I don't like using that language, but I find it interesting that when doing research on this, when you look at shepherds, it's, it's almost like they don't, they're not really given this high kind of title, but I think, I think that's kind of the whole message and the narrative of, of this Jesus story of um, Jesus picking people that aren't um, really highly regarded in their society as, as um, I don't know, as just hardworking or uh, kind of this glitzy and glamoury. Like we look in our society, like, Oh, if someone's a lawyer, if someone's an engineer, someone's a doctor, we're like, oh, that's a great profession. But if someone is like, oh, um, unfortunately, we look at farmers. I think farmers are amazing, amazing men and women, and they do so much for us, but they're not highly regarded in our culture. Janitors or custodians like I am, they're not highly regarded. They, they're they all important at what we do, but it was just like being a shepherd wasn't um, – unfortunately, wasn't something that a lot of people uh, – thought was that that important and i think it's really cool that god sent the angels down and literally said this to um said this to the shepherds like hey go to bethlehem you will find this baby in a manger um in swaddling clothes so using using people who are are not uh the highest of the high you know in, in society and and when we go back, when especially in the Old Testament, when the Jewish people thought that this Messiah that was coming, that they were foretold about, they thought it was going to be like uh, like an emperor. They thought it was going to be this priestly person coming down, bringing this kingdom to earth, and it was going to rule like like a president or a prime minister. They were going to live in a castle, live in this opulence, and and really you know rule that way. But what I think is so amazing about the story of Jesus is just the subversiveness that Jesus did and that this kingdom, like, he came into uh, poor people, into a poorer family, hardworking family, but in, in that society's kind of way, uh, like, in this poor family, using shepherds that weren't really seen as important people and the angel, you know, coming down and saying, hey, I want you shepherds to go find this Christ child, this Jesus and and be there for it and this unfolding um the savior of the world you got you are going to get first dibs on looking at this child 
So then uh, finishing up this, this, um, this part of the narrative with verse 15, when the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. And it had been told to them. Uh, and then at the end, it, it, on that little part, it talks about Jesus being circumcised, which I don't really want to talk about circumcision at this at this moment. Um, but... Um, Kind of just going through that last little bit, yeah. I, I reading and understanding now about shepherds um, in that in that perspective, I find it really amazing that this narrative is of, of the Christ-like birth is just um, is just you know that subversiveness going back. Like when I read this, and it wasn't until a couple of years ago, and. and having a professor in, in class around this time talking about kind of the subversiveness of the birth story of the birth story of, you know, Jesus. Cause we, you know, when we do celebrate Christmas and it's about Jesus, we, we, you know, we put on our Sunday best to go to church for Christmas Eve services or even sometimes Christmas day services. You know, we usually are with our family and we're kind of dressed up nice and we have dinner or a lunch. We open presents and, you know, we might read the Bible story, but it's almost like this, almost this glitzy, glamoury type thing in a lot of ways. And when you really read this in the perspective and in the context that it's supposed to be, it was this subversiveness, like I just said, that that Jesus kind of came in under the radar. Everyone thought that, you know, it was like foretold to them that Jesus is coming in in this radical new kingdom and this radical new ethic of to-do and everyone thought it was going to be, you know, like I just said, like he was going to be like a president or a prime minister or something living in this opulent lifestyle. But it, it didn't. And Jesus, Jesus, you know, God was like, here, I'm sending my son in this childlike form and I'm bringing him into this world in the lowliest of low ways and, and areas. And I just find that fascinating. Um, and I really have utmost respect for shepherds because... Uh, these shepherds um, who are in this story because, you know, first of all, if I was in their situation and I saw an angel come down to me and say, hey, go over here, I would be like, I would be like, what the what? Like, what's going on? Like, am I tripping out? Like, did I drink too much wine or meat or did I eat like a bad mushroom or something or or whatever? Um, having this vision. Um but they did it anyway. They did it with without um, without hate, or they did it with haste, as I said multiple times. So anytime we read something, especially in the Bible, if it's that repetition, um, just when I was reading that, they said with haste like three times. So that lets you know as a reader, like, hey, they went quickly, they went fast, they dropped what they were doing, they went to Bethlehem, and we don't know how far they traveled through that, but they went with haste to see this Christ child, to see this Jesus, which I find is is really fascinating um, nonetheless. Uh, and, and they didn't say it in this part, but, you know, we hear of, of the, um, the wise men, 
you know, when they come and, and bearing the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, you know, gold, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, um, we, we probably know more about gold, um, not as much about myrrh. We know frankincense, but those were actually quite expensive gifts, um, uh, to give, to give to any child, nonetheless, this, this poor baby Jesus. Um, but one thing that's quite fascinating is, uh, they said a lot of these wise men with their jobs, and these, these were wise men who had very prestigious jobs and what they did. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, correct me if I'm wrong uh, out there if people know differently, but I'm pretty sure that the wise men, um, one was an astrologer, one was like a teacher, uh, you know, they looked at the stars for, and that's why they came because they were looking up at the stars, they were studying the stars and, um, they saw this, you know, this bright light, this star leading to Bethlehem. So that's why they went to there and, and bringing this gold, frankincense and myrrh. I've heard other people say that, you know, uh, the Roman elite kind of told them, Hey, we've heard this rumbling about this Christ child born, this Jesus, the cults, all Jewish Messiah. We're going to send you there to kind of like on this, like, uh, mission to see who it really is. I don't know if that's real or not, but these are certain obvious, um, maybes that could have happened, maybe stories that could have happened. But I think it's quite interesting within the, uh, within that story. It's not in this part. It's later on in, in the story of Jesus, um, Jesus's birth that these, these wise men came there, um, with these gifts. But I'm going to, as I said, it's not going to be super long. I'm going to kind of wrap it up because I want people to be able to get ready for the holidays if they have to go to work, whatever. But I just, I just, I wanted to throw this part of the, the story out and maybe, maybe unveil some certain things about, um, this story that we might have not heard before. Like I said, growing up in the church myself for, for all the years that I have, I've always just, I was always told about like this narrative of Jesus, the, the, the birth story as almost as, as it is a beautiful story. It's miraculous. It's all these great things, but it was all, it was almost like when I started researching and studying it for myself, when I started, um, kind of just digging in seeing what the scholars and people that were saying about this, I realized, you know, he was, he wasn't born into squalor. He was born in a normal first century Jewish home um, and just learning about that was fascinating, but then learning the, the, the shepherds and, and the wise men, just like where they came from, their background, um, was just fascinating how, how God and God self used this subversive way to kind of undermine the, the Roman empire, to undermine the Pharisees, to undermine the super religious and kind of just like, I promised you this Jesus, I promised you this Messiah, but it's not going to be in the way that you think it is. And all throughout the scripture, Jesus doesn't act the way people think a Messiah or a Savior is supposed to act. And it goes all the way back to Jesus' birth. Uh, not happening the way so many people think that it was going to happen. And, and frankly, in a lot of ways, pissed people off. Um, pissed a lot of Jewish people off. They're like, here's this supposed to be our Messiah and he's born in a manger to these parents to, you know, there were shepherds around. He was born, you know, we put him in a, they put him in a flipping manger that was for food, like a food trough. 
So maybe maybe during this Christmas season, as we celebrate it, uh, I yes, there's hope. There's time to have hope. I know Christmas always isn't um, easy for everyone, especially if we've lost loved ones or we can't be with our families during the holiday season because of COVID for, for other reasons. And, and my heart goes out to any every one of you who, if you listen or, or hear this, that if Christmas is difficult for you, I you have my uh, you have my um, prayers, you have my thoughts, and I, I hope that it's safe for you and whatever you do and however you celebrate. But when you look at this story, especially during this holiday season and even you know other times of the year, but specifically in this holiday season, when when you read this story or you listen to this. Just think of the subversive, um, the subversive part of this, the subversive attitude of how God let Jesus come into this world. Um, it's quite fascinating. So I'm going to stop talking. I said it was going to be a little short. Um, Amanda, were you scrolling through, through if we have any um, questions or comments? No questions or comments. Um, wow, that's that's a first. Um, so, yeah, Caleb, uh, I like the ribbon on the deer. I said that. I'm not sure. Yes, God's glory indeed. Um, and then, Ray, thank you for that comment. This is good stuff. Um, thank you to all of our listeners who tune, tune in live um, and who also, you know, you obviously this goes back up on Facebook um, and kind of the, the um, what is I'm trying to say, kind of like, not too long afterwards, so if people can't tune in live, and I understand. I love it when people tune in live, but I know it's becoming more harder with so many stuff happening um, that we're pulled all these different ways. But it's going to be up online here shortly. Um, this will obviously be up next week, so a couple days after Christmas, on the 27th, on the Sacred Collective feed, which I'm going to try to... Um, get uh, my own feed for Revolution Church Minneapolis, you know, that's what's that's what we're asking for money about because some of this stuff is a little difficult um, just to do out of your own pocket. Um, the last thing I'm going to say, I, I posted a, um, a comment in our private Revolution Church Minneapolis community page, and I want to make a, a differentiation. There's one for the Revolution Church community, which is for Jay and Caleb's. Um, they have that one. Um, I, hopefully you guys are connected with them and, and in that community, but I have one specifically for Revolution Church Minneapolis. Um, and I posted a question in there to say, Hey, um, if there's something you want me to talk about, if you, if there's something you want me to explore, um, anything within the Bible, a theological topic, whatever it may be, just shoot me a message in there. It's not public. So it's only the people who are part of this community can, can see, uh, I had one. I had one comment. Uh, one of our listeners wanted wants me to talk about the end times, um, so I'm going to probably do that sometime in January. I don't know if I'm going to make that like a one off talk or um, a several week thing because that's such a huge topic to discuss. Um, but yeah, if there's something you want us to talk about, you want me to talk about, please just send me a comment, either text. Um, instant, you know, instant, instant message of me and anyway, any how to do it, but the best way would be in that, in that group. Cause I want to kind of get that up and running more. Um, so I think that's all I got. Thank you once again for everybody tuning in live and, um, we'll see, you'll see me 
in the next in the next year in the new year. I hope everyone has a safe Christmas, holidays, whatever you're doing. Happy New Year! Um, if you can be with family um, and socially distance, please do that and just just be safe. This is a crazy year that we, we that we're living in um, worldwide with a pandemic and trying to celebrate Christmas. Um, but yeah, I just hope everyone's safe and sound. Have a good Christmas and holiday, and we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. That was a post-Christian podcast.